You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Scandariato, with Red Property. And today we have a special guest here with us, Charles. I should have asked you how to say your last name before. Carillo? That's right, yeah. All right. From Italian to Italian, we got it right. <laughs> um, and Charles is the um, one of the partners of Harborside Partners, which is a you know, fully integrated um, real estate investment um, operating partner, which will focus on multifamily. He's got um, you know uh, over 250 multifamily units across three different states right now. And we'll have him talk about his uh, experience in I think it's what, Arizona, Florida, and what's the other one? Connecticut. Connecticut, that's right. Yep. Um, we want to talk about how you got into it. I knew you, you know, you grew up managing multifamily and commercial properties with your father, which is a, which is a great experience and kind of taught you to learn how important uh, passive income is at such a young age. Right. I wish I, you know, had that experience myself. Um, and then what we'll talk about now moving forward is, um, we'll emphasize on how do you pr- properly um, asset manage each of the buildings remotely. Um, you're based out of Florida. Some of your properties are in Connecticut, Arizona. How are you able to do that? And we'll talk about the importance of third-party management. What are the benefits? What are the cons? Um, and we'll just have a conversation, man. Okay. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Great. So. Yeah, so I'm originally from Connecticut. Um, I grew up, my, like you were saying, my father is involved in uh, commercial multifamily, mixed-use properties, uh, fully commercial, pro- everything, kind of every facet of it. And um, it was just himself and some of, some of the properties he had one partner with. There was no passive investors. He did everything like that. He started in the 80s. And um, when I started investing in multifamily real estate in 2006, and then I moved to Florida in 2012. So during that uh, six period, this six-year time, I, I self-manage the properties, which is um, a headache, but it's also a blessing when you look back on it because of the experience that can't be like really duplicated with anything else you're doing. So um, I was fortunate enough to be living very close to the properties I was managing, which made it very easy to manage, and um, it's a huge benefit if self-managing is what you want to do the closer to the properties, the better. I was actually living inside one of them, house hacking, what they call it now. But um, the other two are walking distance from it. So it was very easy for to set up the scales of economy for that. Um, so the management was easy to manage. And um, we were able to, at that point, we were, were doing pretty much everything ourselves in the sense of meeting with contractors, renting apartments ourselves, like doing everything. And then little by little, we started taking a lot of the things off the plate and um, kind of focusing, which we should have, you know, hindsight, we should focus more on acquiring more properties than on opening up doors for handymen and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know, right? So it's something that um, when I moved down to Florida in 2012, I did everything third-party management in Connecticut, which I still have today, the same management company, so eight years now. And um, they're smaller properties, so they don't require as much asset management as like with a larger property. When we're doing asset management, we have weekly calls with the property management companies. Um, We're having 
regular calls. If we're closing deals, we're having regular calls with our team every other day. Um, we're probably having calls with our group every two weeks if we are on deals that have already closed. So there's a lot of there's a lot of communication that happens. And if you just have, you know, a three unit or a six unit somewhere, you're not going to have that much re that much of a requirement if you've already added value and done the work to the properties. But during that value add stage or doing any type of deferred maintenance that you might have after you purchase, um, it's very important to keep in contact with the people you have on the ground, which is mainly your property management company. If you're large enough where you have someone actually on the ground, that's a whole different kind of story. But it's very important to keep that, um, to keep that lines of communication open and kind of have the idea in the property manager's um, head of when you need to be contacted, right? So let them know that says anything, you might start that lower, might say, hey, anything 250 or $500 and above, give me a call. Anytime there's a vacancy, give me a call. I have it on my smaller multifamily. I have someone inside their office um, send me an email and tell me there's a vacancy. And then I forward that to one of my VAs that takes care of posting it on Zillow, Craigslist, everywhere. And um, that's just one thing I know. Then I know that we're going to advertise that property better and faster than the property management company would any at, at any way. So I like to have that point. And um, I usually have it set up now if it's over a thousand dollars or it's something that I'm going to use one of my contractors for, like if there's a roofing issue, we had flashing around a chimney that was uh, repaired and you know, the owner will call me from the property management company. And that's when I know that's going to cost me money, right? When that, when that call comes in from him, because I never speak to him unless it's that, but it's good to have those lines of communication open. And then I can put my contractor in place there that I've used for years. And um, so it's kind of, you're using, you're utilizing the property manager for not just keeping an eye on the property and, and, and uh, accepting funds, right? Accepting rent and um, filing evictions, which we used to do prior to COVID. Um, but it's something that um, they're, you're also plugging into their whole network of contractors, handymen. And, you know, a contractor might not be that difficult to find for someone, but it's very difficult to find competent handymen that are going to show up and do your work, especially if you're out of state or you're out of town, if you're absentee, let's say. And so that's something that you're plugging into and finding someone, say for whatever they charge, $20, $25 an hour. Um, it's much easier doing that than trying to find licensed people to do every, every kind of uh, task in your properties. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's the most important thing I think about with asset management. That's great. Could you talk about, you mentioned the term VA. Could you explain what a VA is, how they work, how much generally do they charge, is it worth it, how do you find them? Can you talk more about VAs? Yeah, so with VAs, I, I, uh, you can use them for everything, right? So I have VAs that, like I said, they'll take care of some of the administrative tasks, like putting up properties for rent. Um, they take everything. When we put stuff on social media, we have that all done, edit it all posted by, by um, one of our assistants. We have um, other tasks. We have people that write articles for us. And when they write it, um, obviously those are going to be different uh, VAs, but you can find VAs for everything. We usually utilize like upwork.com. I know a lot of people can go onto like Manila's, uh, you know, Philippines, Craigslist and do it that way. And that's a little bit more of an in-depth process. You're going to do research and you're reviewing. Um, I'd rather work with someone, save the time, and maybe you're paying a dollar or two more an hour, which really isn't that much. And someone that actually has reviews, 
someone that actually you know has experience in what you're trying to hire them for. And a lot of VAs we use are in the U.S. So we use VAs that are abroad for a number of things. Um, and then for the U.S., everything that we have written that's not something that one of the partners is writing for our website or something else, that's all done in the U.S. And um, it just um, – so you can find – I mean – when you're finding VAs, it's kind of abroad. And I think everybody thinks it's like you're, you know, you're going to Asia or you're going somewhere else to find someone, but really you can find, um, you can find attorneys that are on upwork.com that will charge you by the hour a lot less than you would when you're looking through, um, you know, Google for a local attorney. So it's very powerful. Very interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So, you know, posting apartment listings for you, you mentioned, attorney, I'm assuming maybe that's notice to ceases and notice to quits, that type of thing, pre-eviction, warning notices. Um, what else can you use a VA for? I mean, is, can they take over accounting? How does, what else? Yeah. So with VAs, I don't use any of VAs, uh, just to clarify for like, uh, as attorneys, right. It's just that you can hide if you need to have something written up, um, like a hold harmless or some sort of uh, clause or right uh, wording, you can have someone do that. That's not going to charge you a huge retainer. So that's the benefit of using someone on there for evictions. We'll use just a real estate attorney. We have local in the area, but the, um, when you're posting, so you can go into like Upwork, you can post for whatever you're looking for. Um, it's not just for real estate. You can utilize it for everything. Bookkeeping is a, it's a great thing. Anthony bookkeeping is a great thing to outsource because there is so much competition because it's a huge, there's a very high market markup in uh, bookkeeping. So with these items like this, web design, um, anything with image design, anything like this is easily outsourced because there's a huge markup on it where you'd go to your normal um, local, let's say, uh, shop for doing that. But um, you can put it up. You tell them how many hours a week you want to work, um, what you're looking for, all the kind of stuff. You can hire them. Um, I mean, when I started off with VAs, like when I talk to people about hiring and starting themselves, I always say, hey, start off with just, um, you know, tell me it's only going to be a few hours a week, right? And give them some of the small tasks. And now it's, um, I mean, we have web designers, we have tenure relationships with that, um, uh, we, you know, our virtual assistants. Um, we have virtual assistants that are handling um, all of our social, like we were saying, everything like that, all those different pieces. So you can kind of spend your time with uh, the more high value, um, high value work that for any kind of business you're running, there's always high value um, activities that you can spend your time on. The one thing though, I would say is that when you are doing it, I think the biggest mistake people make with VAs is that they don't um, set aside enough time to train that person. And I was reading one place for every hour that you want to offload off your, off your plate, you should plan on 30 hours for training that person, which I feel is a little, uh, is a little much when you're thinking about it. Uh, if you're using something like Upwork, maybe if you went directly to someone on Craigslist, that might be something you're looking at. But um, when we do it, what we'll do is um, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be many weeks. It's going to be a couple months where you're finding a writer and then you go, Nope, that person doesn't know what I want to write about. They don't understand it. Like they said they did. Um, or you don't like someone's style or there's an issue and we'll deal with smaller things. And then when it gets to the point, we'll be putting them onto our actual Slack channel. Right. And then you're dropping files back and forth. And that's when you're getting, you know, after a couple months of working with someone, that's when you're really getting the benefits of the virtual assistant, right? When you're 
when you're, you know, you wake up, you check your, your computer and stuff's already done for you. Right. And you're saving time here, there. Um, Hey, put these two um, for real estate before we've hey, send over like, Hey, transfer stuff from this PDF to this PDF. Um, hey, go on to uh, this county and check in on this address. Here's the link and check for any permits or citations, anything like this. Like check for that, put into this Google sheet. Thank you. Um, and all small stuff like that, just the time that just saves is, uh, is immense when you look back on it and you see how much you've actually completed with your day and how much you've taken off your plate. Um, so super important for anybody in business, not just real estate. Sure. So for the purpose of a VA, you're kind of talking about it more so from the company level. What about property management? So can you, do you combine the two? You know, I'm going to ask the rhetorical question of what are you paying a property manager for? Mm. Property manager for, you know, at each of the properties where you can have a VA to kind of yep. take over. Obviously you need somebody on the ground. Um, I'm just trying to understand, can the yep. two intertwine together or are they two separate entities? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So you can set up the virtual assistant, which is kind of the virtual assistant. I think, you know, I've spoken to people before and they consider like a remote employee, which I feel for people that I work with, I mean, my virtual assistants slash remote employees, I mean, I even bonus them when we buy new properties. So it's, um, they're pretty much almost on payroll, pretty, you know what I mean? So they are, when we close on a property, which we're doing one like today, like I was telling you earlier, Anthony, like we're going to bonus them over because that's the whole point. Hey, we're buying more property. When we buy more property, you're going to make more money. So everything you have to do is all team effort. You know what I mean? And, um, when we're the small tasks that we'll have them take care of, it's kind of with a property management company, we have a, we have a good one that's in Connecticut. And what we do is that I could just have them advertise it and do everything themselves, which, but it's just, if you know, you have one person, they have thousands of units, right? So they have a couple people in their office. They're going to put something up on Craigslist, you know, once, and then maybe three days later, they'll put something up. Um, I want, I want this guy to wallpaper Craigslist. I want, you know, we put on Zillow, put on Zillow um, or, you know, all the different ones that they have on that platform. And it's like 50, you know what I mean? You're getting 50 inquiries a day by mess. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's what I want. I want to send a, And then what I do is I just <clears throat> have the VA put it into a, like a text document or something and uh, send it to me. And then I just forward that right to my property manager. So now it's like, we have an apartment that we're renting in Connecticut and um, uh, they probably have 150 names that came in over the last week. So if the, if the agent can't, can't rent it with 150 people, you know what I mean? Um, you're, you're not going to rent it. So it's something that it just really attacks it and you really keep down your turnover because anybody that's owned real estate, especially smaller real estate where the money is actually coming right out of your pocket, right? It's not a syndication where it's kind of covered over by other units and stuff. Um, you know, it really hurts when you have it. And you know what I mean? When you have the vacancy, when you have a down unit. So my thing is just, I like to keep an eye on it. It's my way of keeping an eye on it and also attacking the problem right away. And then with the property manager, they take care of everything else. So they're going to collect the rent. They're going to review. They're going to, you know, <clears throat> clean the hallways. They're going to take care of everything else. They're going to make sure uh, regular maintenance is done. When there's an issue somewhere, they're going to call me and say, hey, you know, on so-and-so property, you know, four or five years, you're probably going to need a new roof there. Um, this hot water heater for 2A at, uh, you know, next two years, this is going to have to be done. Um, so different stuff like that's their, that's their thing, right? That's what they're supposed to be doing for you and letting you know. And um, having the combination of both of them makes it where you can really spend minimal amount of time managing 
um, your properties from afar. Um, now, of course, you know, if you're managing and there's actually a project happening, right? You're just not managing just the current tenants and situation. If you're actually doing it, that's going to be a much more difficult problem. So if you're buying a property and you're, uh, you know, you're renovating the whole thing and you're putting in thousands of dollars here and thousands there, that's going to need, you're going to have to pencil in for someone for a property, a project manager really, right? Which could be done by the property manager, but um, you really need someone that's going to be on the ground, seeing the contractor, seeing the work done, making sure that when they're writing checks, they're not getting ahead of the contractors when the work's being done um, and kind of making sure everything's on schedule and then telling, you know, alerting the property manager when you're ready to rent it. Got it. So it sounds like you can work with the VA to help with a lot of the leasing and the way that you view the property managers are more for maintenance. Now that's very similar to what, how my company runs. So it makes a lot of sense. My question would be is, do you have a property manager on site generally? And then do you also have a super or are they like the super? Um, how does your account, does the property manager, are they responsible for the accounting and the bookkeeping? How does that work for you? What are your best strategies to make management and yeah. all aspects more efficient in that regard? Yeah, I don't have a super per se in my, and say my, my properties, um, it's a small portfolio in Connecticut. I don't have a super there. I use the handyman from, um, from the property management company. When we're doing our larger properties that we have, we will have on-site management. And usually when you're, uh, the rule of thumb is about one leasing person per hundred units and about one handyman per hundred units. Yeah. Now, obviously the, the age of the building, all this other stuff, that's a very simple, right? A way of determining how many people you need on site. Uh, very simple, like the 1% rule when you're talking 1% of rent versus the value as a very quick way of calculating what I, what kind of value the property has. So the thing is that um, when you're getting in smaller properties, having a super, so if you had, you're buying an 18 unit property, I mean a 12 unit property or, you know what I mean? One property is probably the best. You have someone that stays there. They get a huge discount on rent, if not free, depending on what they're providing. And um, that's a great way of managing and even if they're not collecting payments, and in today's day and age, you can do everything electronically through a system, so they really don't have to touch money. But it's something that um, if they're going to let you know if there's problems in the property, they're going to let you know if you know if they're mowing the property, if they're not. Um, I would rather have them take care of small stuff around the property and keeping an eye on it. And you can kind of figure out the level of the rent. Um, I've never successfully had tenants handle uh, tasks around the property. It's just because it just hasn't, hasn't worked out. Maybe I didn't spend enough time doing it, but I'd rather have a third party come in. Um, if we're talking up North snow removal, right? That's something that if it's not done correctly, if it's not done on time, you, you can find yourself in lawsuits. And um, that's something that you have to make sure you're keeping an eye on. Um, grass is a different story. I mean, grass can be cut on Monday, can be cut on Wednesday, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be there right away great task to outsource so that can be done by a, a super if they're on the ball, right? Um, then there's small stuff around the property, uh, you know, changing faucets here, hoses here uh, for, you know, anything kind of like this that can all be done by property managers uh, like or on-site 
you know, on-site supers, let's say. Um, and then anything larger, obviously you're going to have them reach out to the property manager and say, Hey, you know, um, there's a leak here or, uh, this hot water heater is leaking or the furnace isn't turning on for this. And, um, that's kind of what you need. You know, you need someone like that for those properties. That's what makes it so much easier when managing them because you'll know everything that's going on. Right. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So it, kind of wrapping this down a little bit, what would your recommendations be for a third party versus self-managed? It, does it depend upon how many units you have, where they're located? What are your thoughts? Um, it depends on the t- what your time availability is, number one. Um, if you're, if, you know, if you don't have that much time and you're pretty high income profession, I mean, take everything off your, off your plate, like have, get a property manager. Um, if you can't find a super or something like this, they'll look for and find a super for you. If you're buying a building, sometimes it comes with a super, a tenant that might want to stay. Um, but your property manager should help you. Even if you have a large complex and you need on site, they'll do that for you as well. But with the smaller properties, they might find someone from another building that was a super and the building's getting sold and something like this, and they move to your building. Um, so you can have your property manager handle it. I would, I would minimize the amount of time you have to spend if that was your situation. If you really want to learn the business inside and out, you have the time to do it. You can do the self-management, right? Um, but I would kind of figure out, list out for yourself, what is what am I doing? Um, and then what am I having third parties do, right? So third party is going to mow. Third parties obviously going to do. I, I need for all the license activities. Um, I'm going to take care of this here, right? This small part, or I'm not doing anything. I'm just taking phone calls and forwarding the phone calls to um, this person, right? And this person's going to go there. They've got keys, and I trust them. And then they're going to go and take care of stuff. You know what I mean? So it's kind of just figuring out exactly how hands-on because you can self-manage a property and never never be there, right? If you have a if you have someone that you know, is handling stuff on site, like we were talking about the super, or you have a handyman. And um, I mean, with today's day and time, you can have a handyman that you pay an extra, you know, 50 bucks a month or a week to or whatever, and they can stop by the property, they can take pictures. Um, You know, that's one of the things is when I go back and take a look at properties, that's like the first things I'm looking at when I get to the property. Is there trash that's around? Um, You know, are the trash cans, is that all clean around on walking hallways? Is it clean? And just then you know how absentee your property manager has been there. And um, if you go there and everything's clean, everything's nice, and they, you know, they don't know that you're arriving <laughs> or everything doesn't really matter, I mean, you can kind of check and see w- how, how often they've been there, what's happening. And um, if something's not up to, to par, you can let them know and go, hey, you, know, you really need extra attention here. Like, what can we do? What's, is there a problem? Is there supposed to be someone that's coming here? And then you can also just see, I mean, the common areas can tell their own story, not even counting the units. Makes a lot of sense. So Charles, how can people find you? Yeah. So um, if you want, you can reach out um, to, uh, to me. I, my name is, uh, so it's charlescarillo.com. Um, I have a podcast called the global investors podcast.com as well. So you can look that up. And um, if you have any questions, you know, reach out. And um, I'd love to do a 30-minute free phone call, strategy call with you. So if you're interested in investing passively or being active in real estate, we can see where you are and uh, see where you want to go. Great. Thanks so much, Charles, for coming on the show. This is Anthony from Discovering Multifamily. 
And uh, we're going to have a link to Charles' website on iTunes and also in the social media platforms um, via our LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. So you can reach out to Charles and definitely schedule that consultation because he's got a lot of knowledge I think you'll benefit from. So thanks again for coming on, Charles. Really appreciate your time. And, and hopefully we'll have you on again in the next six months to a year. Sounds good, Anthony. Have a great day. Thank you.